It is now time for part two with our chat of Richard Stamen of at Mavs Draft on Twitter, MavsDraft.com, our NBA draft expert. We're going to dive into Jalen Suggs to start things out, then Keon Johnson, then Isaiah Jackson, then Cam Thomas, all the names rumored with the Thunder. We have an updated Thunder workout list at the very end, talking about two-way guys, second-round guys, everything in between. This is a loaded draft podcast. Make sure you stick around to the end. Let's get to it on the Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Moving on to the most fun option for the Thunder is Jaden Suggs. There's a chance he falls to six. We mentioned the chance of trading up with Toronto at four. I think the Toronto really likes Scotty Barnes, so that could be an option for the Raptors and the Thunder. Jaden Suggs, is he going to be an NBA all-star or a superstar or something less than that? So you said Mike Conley earlier. I'd say look around that impact with a little bit more respect. I think Conley never really got the respect from his peers in the NBA and the coaches for all-star nods, unfortunately. And he should have been more than a one-time all-star. But Jalen Suggs is going to be that kind of player. Like his floor is ridiculously high. Um, I, I just don't really see a way that this guy fails in the league. And his ceiling is decently high too. So I have him as a very high level starter. What is your biggest point of optimism with him and, and red flag with Suggs? Because I think that these are two things that can really define who is as a prospect. Cause I think that it's, it's pretty clear what these two things are, but what, what do you think about it? Yeah. So I think for strengths, it's just the unique combination of three level scoring athleticism and D does not grow on trees. And he's got a really good basketball IQ. He's a pretty modern guard. He's six, four. I think he has long arms. He does everything. Well, there's really nothing he does bad, like poorly. Um, I think the biggest improvement for him, there's really no like glaring flaw. He can be a little bit over aggressive defensively, but with his hands, that's so fixable. The other thing would be he, he can, he can walk into turnovers because he kind of gets reckless driving and then he, you know, swipes and everything like that can happen on him. Those are are just so minor in the grand scheme of things. Where would you, project the Thunder pick to be right now. Given the information we have right now, again, this can all change in a couple weeks, but would you think that the Thunder take Barnes, Kaminga, or Suggs? Who falls to pick six? I think that we've mapped it out pretty clearly. It's going to be hard to trade up. You're looking at maybe four at the most, and I think that there is a real possibility there. I do think that the Raptors like Scotty Barnes, but I think that they could also just trade for Scotty Barnes outright at four. I should say draft him outright at four, and then allow someone else to fall to the Thunder. Who do you think at the end of the day when the dust settles is with the Thunder? Zero chance it's Jalen Suggs. I, I will get that out of the way. I don't think he falls past Orlando, and that would be a miraculous um, outcome to even have him fall to number five. So it's not going to be him. I say Scotty Barnes is the most likely to be there at six. Kaminga could be, just because, again, to emphasize what I was saying earlier, it's just it's a six-person draft. There's going to be in that way that someone's going to fall in love with a six-person and talk themselves out of Kaminga. That's what – the, it's a 50-50, I would say. You mentioned the or Thunder like 51, trading, 49. You mentioned the Thunder Sorry. trading back. You're good. 
trading back at the top of this whenever we're talking about the trades. Scotty Barnes, I think, excites the Thunder off front office. I'll say that right now. I think that he excites the Thunder front office. Just for us talking, not about projecting the Thunder for right now. It doesn't really excite me, Scotty Barnes doesn't. Now, you'll talk yourself to Scotty Barnes or whoever the Thunder draft, no matter who they draft. They, they could sit here and they could take any player at six and eventually by the time this season rolls around, you're going to talk yourself into them. But would it be a better option to trade back and just forego Scotty Barnes and instead get a Boog Knight or get somebody different, Moses Moody, than a Scotty Barnes? Does somebody else fit better for the Thunder than Scotty Barnes? Or do you simply go with Scotty Barnes because he's one of the best players available? I think you stay at six. I mean, the Thunder have six picks, five of them which fall in the top 40 which in this class, if you have a top 40 pick, there's a very good chance that you're picking someone who, who can both or either or both play day one or has a really good upside. This is one of the drafts, you know, you don't, doesn't come off along very often, but where there's guys in the second round that are huge and realistic swings for the fences. You know, some years we convince ourselves that guys who are not actually upside picks, they're just bad or raw, uh, that we convince ourselves that they're, high upside, but this year is not the case. There's a lot of guys. I mean, one of your favorites, I know Isaiah Todd is probably a second round pick in most years. That guy's a first round pick. So I would stay at six, take who you're most comfortable with, even if it's a slight reach, because you have 16, you have 18, you have 34, you have 36, all of those. You can get a first, uh, very high first round talent. I have Isaiah Todd great as a, as a first round talent without question. I think he's a really good player that is getting severely underrated. I'll be interested to see how he, how he kind of shakes out as the draft night approaches. Now, moving away from pick six, because I think that it's pretty clear that, that if you're going to stay at six, which we think that the Thunder will, it's Barnes, Kaminga, and then you said no shot at Suggs, maybe a tiny bit shot at Suggs, but, but Kaminga and Barnes for sure are the two names you're going to go back and forth on. So going away from six, there's been rumors about Cam Thomas. There's been rumors about Keon Johnson and most prominently rumors about Isaiah Jackson. Let's start with Isaiah Jackson. I'm out on Isaiah Jackson. I need your help. I need you to talk me in to Isaiah Jackson because I don't even have him ranked as a top 30 player. And that, that might be a bit extreme. I've had some extreme takes before, such as ranking Tyrell Terry in the top 10 of last year's NBA draft. But what do you see in Isaiah Jackson? Because I see a guy that cannot do a whole lot. I think that there's not a lot of signs of his development being all that great. And he cannot accomplish much on the basketball floor, except for maybe rim run a little bit with some pretty questionable hands. What's the ceiling and yeah. floor for Isaiah Jackson for you? Yeah. So I think uh, to back you up a little bit, this class is very strong. I actually have him at 31 on my board. So technically I don't have a top 30 grade on him either. Uh, if that makes you feel any better. However, it's not really, it's more a lot about like, there's a lot of guys in front of him that I thoroughly enjoy. I think for him, though, what you would want to see is, one, every year there's Kentucky hides, right? Kentucky hides some talent where Devin Booker never got, like never dribbled pretty much. Isaiah Jackson, to an extent, they really couldn't hide guys this year because they were just bad. But Isaiah Jackson, I think, did have some hidden glimpses, such as ability to put the ball on the floor and drive from 15 feet and in, which is really impressive for a center. But for him, he's just a very late bloomer. So he's very raw, but he has a clean jump shot from 15, 20 feet, great athlete, and he can cover multiple positions defensively. It does make me feel better because I have, I have Isaiah Jackson at 32, debated putting BJ Boston ahead of him, dropping him down to 33, but in that 32, 31, 33 range, 
I think that the Thunder yeah. are going to like Isaiah Jackson. I hope that that's wrong. I hope that the information that we have right now is wrong because uh, I just do not see it at all with Isaiah Jackson. I, I have a ton of guys ranked ahead of him, obviously. But what's your value for Isaiah Jackson? I, we all know that big boards are, first of all, our opinions and also a, a range. Like it's not exactly science that you would only take Isaiah Jackson at 31 or I'd only take him at 32. For you, what's his value in, sense, I mean, in the sense of a range? If the Thunder have promised him 18, would you consider that a massive reach as it seems like you would considering your big board? Actually, no, I wouldn't consider it a reach. Again, you know, with those picks in the 16 to 36 range, I think those are almost all interchangeable. For me, it starts at about 21 to 40 on my board is just, you could take almost any of those guys. Um, and to be clear, that starts with, and, and this is going to get me in trouble, but I have Jalen Johnson at 21. I'm very low on his jump shooting, but he's going to be gone by then. So that's irrelevant. So we'll actually move this down one more. I shouldn't even have doubted my, I have Josh Christopher at 22 and then Isaiah Todd at 37. That's the range where everyone in that, in that range should be looked as a first round pick and Isaiah Jackson's number 31. It's interchangeable. I don't really see an issue with it. I, I think you could probably get him at 34 and probably get decent, you know, better value there and find someone with more realistic upside, but I get the swing at 18. I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sport action. Baseball's in full swing right now. Track all that action at betonline.ag. Get the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and UFC MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Do not sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance right now to get into the game. Get in on the action at betonline.ag. So head over to the website right now. You can do it on your laptop, computer, mobile device, whatever the case is, by heading over to betonline.ag. Sign up today, and you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag by using our code locked on. Our code locked on at betonline.ag gets you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportbook experts. So he's been the guy that the Thunder have like heavily had smoke around from people I'm talking to and what's been reported by Chad Ford, et cetera. But there's also been a little hint of rumors about Cam Thomas, who I love a lot more than Isaiah Jackson. And I think that he could be a, a nice bucket getter. Uh, if nothing more, a great microwave score off the bench for you and a six man of the year type of player. What's your feelings on Cam Thomas? Uh, where do you think that he kind of shakes out at in this draft and also for his future NBA career? Yeah, Cam Thomas is probably the most polarizing player, which is really weird outside of Kamingo. Kamingo's far and away takes that crown. But Cam Thomas is right up there. He is very intriguing because he's 6'4 and only scores. That is his one value on the floors. He scores. But is that not the objective of basketball? So I don't know. There's some. There's a lot to say to that because he had pretty much an equal assist to turnover ratio, which is both a positive and a negative because he only had 1.4 assists per game. That's the negative, but the positive is he didn't even turn the ball over two times. He was taking like 17 shots a game. That's absurd. You can't find that for many freshmen. So his ball security and his bag, that combination is unreal. His shot creation is probably among the best in the class. I would say top three 
just in terms of in a vacuum. So if you wanted someone who could be a bucket, that is the guy to get. Like you look at Jordan Clarkson being six man of the year this year. Um, that is a role that if you surround him right and use him right, that's a valuable role in this league. You mentioned polarizing players, which gives me my perfect segue to my next prospect, the, the kind of last prospects we're going to talk about in depth, Keon Johnson. I think that I'm the only person in the state of Oklahoma who likes Keon Johnson. <laughs> the Thunder media are killing him. My fellow media members are killing him. Fans are down on him. I, I do not think that they should take him at six. I think that that's a stretch. But I do think he's getting unfairly slandered. I think that Rick Barnes is a terrible coach, all things considered. He's an overrated coach, I'll say that much. I think that he didn't have a true point guard at Tennessee, which really hurt his game. He'll have a true point guard in SGA. I, I think that his game was not shown off, and, and, and Barnes did not adjust his system to fit the skill set of Keon and Jaden Springer. And so even as they look like, like lottery picks right now, if Barnes had even done the slightest bit of adjusting of the system, they'd look even better than they did at Tennessee. We know he's an all-world athlete. The Thunder love that, and at least typically they have in the past. What's your range for Keon Johnson in the draft? And what's your take on him? Because I, I think that there's very little gray area with a guy like Keon Johnson. I have no idea how to evaluate him. I'm going to be purely honest. He's the hardest evaluation for me in this class because he's a tweener at six, what, six, four, six, five, something like that. Not a guard, not a wing. And I don't know if I buy the jump shot originally in the early part of the season. I was like, yeah, this is projectable. You know, his fadeaway jumper is pretty clean. Falls in love with it far too much, but it's still not terrible. And that gives me hope about his actual jumper, spot up jumper and everything. I don't think it's really broken, but it's definitely not good. And being that in-between tweener guy really worries me. But on the other hand, then you go to his defense, he's a stopper. He can absolutely be a stopper at the next level because of his athleticism. He's got decently long arms. I think it's a plus four wingspan. I don't know how to evaluate him, though, again, because like you said, the system did him no favors. Like he played with pretty much three other guards at all times that felt like where you had um, this, I think his name is like Vespucci. I forget how to say his name, but he was a, kind of shooting guard you had Victor Bailey who was also a shooting guard and you had Jaden Springer who was kind of a point guard but they had no true point guard in my opinion at Tennessee which I think really hurt Keon Johnson so I don't know what to make of Keon I think that that's fair I think it's a fair thing to say you don't know about Keon Johnson but but to to assert that he's going to be a terrible player is I think unfair to him because of all the things we just laid out there and the biggest one being he had no point guard with him at all. And Rick Barnes, I think, is, again, is an overrated coach. But, again, no point guard really hinders a guy like him for his skill set. And just simply putting him in a spot where he's playing next to Shea will elevate his game to a, a large degree. Again, not going to take him at six. Like, that. don't go too far here. But I think that, it, you know, that a range for him could be anywhere from the starting with the Kings, who might just want to take an upside swing, all the way to the Thunder at sixteen because he is such an unknown quantity and he's just such a, just a guy that it's hard to get a feel for. And I think he has the tools. I think he has the upside for shooting more than most people do. Uh, again, you mentioned why with the fadeaway jumper and early season stuff that we saw out of him with his jump shot. I like him again, not at six, but just in general, I wanted to see if you were one of the people that hated him uh, or if you actually would, would back, back me up a bit on the Keon Johnson love. I think that I'll for sure take the, take the conductor seat and leading the hype train for Keon Johnson. Uh, but again, six would seem a bit early, but he has worked out with the thunder. He has that swagger. He has that ability and that athleticism to be a good player. 
but the early withdrawal window has come and gone. What moves surprised you that they went back to school and surprised that they would stay in the draft? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a first, I think of any year I've been doing big boards where nobody in my top four, uh, yeah, nobody in my top 40 withdrew this year. It was the cleanest, uh, cleanest break I've ever gone through. The highest rated player I had was my number 41 player. Isaiah Wong went back, but that was expected. Um, I think the biggest surprise for me were there were two Johnny Juzang returning. I'm very low on him, but I don't see how his stock gets any higher. He was probably 50 to 60 in the draft, and maybe that wasn't enough for him, but bad combine. And then the other guy would be Scotty Pippen Jr., who now will probably win the SEC player of the year, but killed it as a sophomore two-way guard. Those were pretty much the surprises. It was actually a pretty low, you know, nobody about, like I said, nobody in the top 40 withdrew. So I didn't see any big jumps this year. What about a guy like Max Abrams from ORU? fantastic March Madness run at a God awful combine, uh, but he returns to school. I'm not sure he can do anything else you know, to improve himself. I'm not sure that the uh, NIL bill, I'm not sure the NIL bill, so I accidentally hit my dog. I'm not sure the NIL bill helps a guy at ORU that much. Uh, and I'm, and I'm not sure that he'll get much better because he's just an undersized guard. You can't really hit a gross burn at his age and you wouldn't think and he's not going to transfer, doesn't seem like. So what to you does Max gain out of going back to school besides just having fun and being a college player again? Yeah, so first of all, let's not take out your anger as an Oral Roberts fan on your dog. But second, um, I, I think, you know, the combine really hurt him. That just did him in. I don't think he was getting drafted. Poor measurements, poor performance, and just being an undersized guard is hard. Um, I think for him, it's the NIL, the name and image likeness is going to, he's probably the greatest Oral Roberts player, arguably in, uh, in Oral Roberts history. So you can make a lot off of that, but again, does it outweigh the draft spot? Who knows? He probably wasn't getting drafted. And I guess he figured eh, I can be the, the all time leading scorer at Oral Roberts, anything like that. Maybe, you know, another repeat of next year, maybe they schedule some more tougher competition, not because they were pretty limited this year with COVID, maybe he can improve his stock into being a late second round pick next year, especially if they make a tournament run. That's true. I, I just, I don't, I think that he could have been at this year. I, I think that the stuff he needs to work on is just kind of growing, which isn't really going to happen for him, sadly, yeah. uh, but I still like his game. He'll still be fun to watch in college, of course. Uh, and maybe he can be a Devonte Graham type that just stays there the whole time. And then eventually uh, gets in the mid second, early second from a good combine next year. Hopefully for him, he has a great combine next year. It's able to elevate the draft boards. Peek behind the curtain real quick. Uh, what happened there with my dog is that right before we started recording, I'm, I'm dog sitting my sister's dog. And then this is, of course, my dog. So like I have two dogs in the house now. They got in their first fight in the entire week that they've been here. So they got in a fight right before we started recording. And then my dog <laughs> sat under my desk for the first time in her life. I swear she's never sat there before ever. And I forgot she was there and I extended my leg and I accidentally kicked her. It was a total accident. PETA, please do not cancel me. It was a total accident. She never sits there. I had no idea she was still there. And it was an accident. I did not, I did not express my disdain for Max returning to school on my dog. But hopefully for him again, he has a good season and he has a good combine next year. Because I think that the combine is what hurt him. I think that that might have been his kind of deciding factor in returning to school. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think the way same way Scotty Barnes is Giannis. You did not mean to kick your dog. I got it. Loud and clear. 
I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Available this week only, July 6th through the 9th. You can get our new Built Bar flavor, Grasshopper Cookie. What does Grasshopper Cookie taste like? This is Built Bar's version on the classic Thin Mint Cookie. All the flavor without that sugar. Only 150 calories, only 17 grams of protein, only 5 grams of sugar. It's a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. You want so many of these delicious flavors from Built Bar. Coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. My favorite flavor is cookies and cream. Take my word for it. Order yourself a box of cookies and cream Built Bars. But if you do not want to take my word for it, because this is truly a great tasting bar. It's a protein bar, but truly does taste like, taste like a candy bar. Go ahead and try them all out. Order the mixed box. The mixed box gives you two of every single flavor. Try them all out and then reorder the one you love the most. It's a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Get them by going to BuiltBar.com and using promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. BuiltBar.com. Built Bar's the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Hey, there we go. Everyone everyone has, uh, has mistakes. <laughs> but before we get out of here, I want to run through the Thunder workout list. And first of all, the Thunder workout list, number one, means nothing in general because teams are going to work out every single player or at least every player that they can get their hands on because this is your last touch point with these guys until at least four years from now. And so when you're evaluating if you want to trade for somebody or if you want to pursue them as a restricted free agent, you want to at least have some prior knowledge of them personality-wise, play style-wise, with your coaching staff-wise. So you're going to try to work out everybody. Number two, the Thunder are not, is not a team that releases their workouts. The Pacers do, and some other teams do as well. But the Thunder are not one of them. They've never been one of them. So all these names are not complete. There are many more players who would not know about. This list is comprised of four social media posts and then talking to my sources within the within everywhere around the NBA. And of course, talking to players at the combine. So this is just the reporting I've been able to do. And then of course the four social media posts as well. So that's all this is. It's not something that Thunder have released to anybody. They don't ever release it to anybody. So there's more players in this than we know, but this is the updated list. And then I want you to, to, to jump out. Uh, whenever a guy jumps out, you want you to stop me and, uh, and talk about him. So number one, Jalen Johnson, you have really, really lower than I have him. But number one, Jalen, Jalen Johnson, we haven't really talked about him much, but number two, Keon Johnson, we talked about him a lot. Number three, my guy, Isaiah Todd. I am excited about that one. Number four, Sandro Mamou. Oh, yes. We got to get Mamou. We got to get Mamou. Yeah. No, he's he's a point forward, uh, 6'10", 6'11", with a 7'1 wingspan that can run, pick, and roll. Sign me up. I don't care that he doesn't play defense very well. You play him next to a true big. Imagine him and Clint Capel out there running pick and roll. That's That's unheard of. Listen, you were in that draft Zoom room with me whenever I asked him about his workout with the Thunder. Could he have been any more excited to talk about the Thunder organization? Hey, he was the only team he was more excited about, or teams, I guess, was he's from New York. So he was really excited for Brooklyn and the Knicks, but he, he had a lot to, he, 
he is full of personality. So like, I don't think he would have even said anything bad about anybody, but man, he had a lot of nice things to say about Oklahoma city. He was there for two days of this workout. I'm sure that's kind of standard practice, but he was there for two days. Uh, Austin Reeves, who would be the first ever Sooners player to play for the Thunder in the regular season if he makes it there and if he's drafted by the Thunder or signed by the Thunder. Number six, Sharif Cooper. Number seven, Troy Murphy Jr. Or Troy Murphy III, I should say. Number eight, who pulled out of the draft already, Jordan Hall. Number nine, Matthew Hurt. Number 11, Joshua Primo. Oh, oh, we got to talk about Primo. Primo is, I'm actually putting out a scouting report. So by the time this is out, it'll be out. That kid is one of the highest upside plays. I would take him at, at 18. I would consider it at 16 too. He's incredible shot creator. A lot of CJ McCollum vibes. I, the three names I put, if you blended every bit of these players' personality, play type, all of it, it's CJ McCollum with Brandon Knight with Katino Mobley. That is a guy who will get buckets you can create for others and you can defend one-on-one and i think if you have the right defense around him that kid is going to be good he's really raw right now interesting there would you would you talk about a guy like Corey kisper is he interesting to you at all i mean next to sga that would be really clean having the best shooter in the draft he's also really high iq i don't see a way that guy fails so you can never go wrong with him especially like if you got him at 18 that's great value. Now moving on to Amir Sims, who I'm very low on. Where are you at with him? We talked about him before a little bit. Whenever he's, he's one in of the, the hundreds. Workouts. Yeah, he's in the hundreds. And then number thirteen, Ayo Dosimo. You were close. I'll I'll, uh, I'll talk about him. Uh, so it's Ayo Dosunmu. He is pretty much the closest player to Chris Dunn that'll be in the league next year. That is not named Chris Dunn. Hey. That's interesting. And speaking of names I can't pronounce, the last one I can't pronounce, number 14, Vrenz. Oh, Vlajenberg. Yeah, Vrenz Vlajenberg is uh, a unicorn type. I mean, you you already have Poku in Oklahoma City. If you want to just keep taking these extremely unknown unicorns, go ahead and take Vrenz. He's really good. He's also very interactive with draft winner if you're into that. Where do you have him going? Because I think that He's kind of a Johnny come lately a bit. Like I, I feel like ever since the Thunder workout, maybe it's just me being more kind of reactionary to him, right? You just notice it more whenever he's affecting your organization. But where do you have him slotted at? Is he, an, is he a guy you pick at 18 or a guy you pick at 34 or a guy you pick no, at 35? Probably, man, if you took him at 34, you're getting, that's a good swing. Uh, I'd say anywhere from 25 to 35. I, I probably, I don't know. It's hard. Friends is hard because he's just so unknown. He's 6'10 and has handles. He, he's like a textbook kind of hooper. Um, I don't know what to make of him. So I would say take him early second and you're, you're in good hands. All right. Then number 15, Chris Duarte, who has a draft promise, we think, from somebody, but he still worked out with the Thunder and the Wizards. I think that the Wizards are kind of hot for Chris Duarte. He's like 30 years old already, so he doesn't really if – we're, if we're talking about articles on ESPN Plus that Shea – does not fit the timeline. I don't want to hear anything about Chris Duarte. He was 27 <laughs> years old. Already. Yeah. I mean, I think he's about to retire next year is what I heard. He's on the Perry Ellis plan. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, the one thing I will say about him on a serious note is you look at Cam Johnson finding early success and being a strong rotation player. Chris Duarte could very well follow along that same path. And he does a lot more. He won the Aaron Kraft award last year. I, I do think that Chris Duarte <laughs> could, could, really help a contending team for the thunder 
I don't really see it. I, I think that for the Thunder, you take the biggest swing you can every single time. Chris Duarte is not that, but but he could he could be a very very helpful player player for a good good team. Yeah, I, I think he's that kind of guy though. He's the high floor, not the, the very low ceiling. He's pretty much at his ceiling. We have number sixteen, which is my personal favorite because there's a lot of sourcing on my end to get this one. EJ on you, the NAIA player of the year, all American, awesome player. Where's his range at? Like, like, first of all, how good is this guy going to be? Is he, is he a true possible unicorn with the right fostering the right developmental plan? Is he a true possible unicorn or did he just simply dominate lesser talent? Because I'm somebody who gets paid to commentate and do play by play for division two basketball. So I love college basketball I love even Division Two going down to NAIA. I think that there's a lot of overlooked talent where it's it's not as bad, if you want to say, as you might think in your head. I mean, it's not as big of a drop off yep. as you might think. So, is he the beneficiary of playing at the NAIA level, or is he truly going to be a unicorn if given the time and the investment in his developmental plan? Yes and no to the unicorn question. Um, I think mostly no. Um, I think it has a lot of, you know, he was he's massive, seven nine wingspan, I think, seven eight, seven nine. He's large. Um, I also really don't see him as a unicorn though. So it's a little bit of both. I think he's a two-way stretch five, which is very, very good, of course, which is a rare archetype, but I think he's more of a rim protecting stretch five, I should clarify. So it's a good value. I don't think he's necessarily a unicorn though. If everything went right for him. Like just everything, which never happens for players. So let's admit that. But if it somehow did, what is the ceiling for, for EJ to you? I think in terms of just like rotation player, all that stuff, correct? Not, not draft steal. Yeah, just, just like the, the player, the EJ, I, not necessarily where the highest pick he could be. I think he could be a really, this is going to sound bad. I think he could be a really impactful backup center. Hey, that's important. That's an important spot. I think that people lose sight in this process of how important that is because look at the Thunder, for example, how many years did the Thunder have a quality top three, quality top five, but once you had to go to your bench, they were really, really bad. And that drop-off lost them games, lost them playoff series, lost them regular season games to Orlando where you miss it, where you're messing with now your, your seeding in the playoffs and, uh, hindering your, your matchups and making your matchups worse for yourself. Like the bench is underrated, I think, especially in the draft process to where that's not that bad of a ceiling. It's not exactly a, a terrifying ceiling. Yeah. I mean, a backup center from a D2 school is a very big win. I don't think that's an insult by any means. Would you take him though in the draft or would, or would he kind of be a guy who maybe says, I don't want to be drafted. I want to pick my own team and bet on myself because there's so much at risk here because it sounds silly, but to me, if you draft a guy from NAIA, you do not have the same commitment level to him that you would if you draft a guy like from Kentucky. So like if you draft him from NAIA and he struggles his first year or struggles his second year, you say, yeah, we tried, failed experiment, we move on. You draft the guy from Kentucky who has all the high school accolades and has uh, you know that, that, that prestigious school next to his name, you might give him a third year or a fourth year, even though he might not even deserve it. I think that, I think that for EJ, he has to be very careful of where he goes and make sure he gets it right the first time. I'm not sure how many retread opportunities a guy from the NAI is going to get. 
Yeah, it's hard. I mean, Jay Scrub last year got drafted out of D2 at number 55 in a weaker class. I personally don't think he gets drafted, but I do think he is going to get a one of be excuse me, be one of the first two-way players. Hopefully the Thunder are in line for that. 17 Trey Mann. Any thoughts on on Mann for his for the Thunder and for his NBA career? Oh, I love Trey Mann. Best shot creator in the class. Best shot creator in the class. What would you compare shot creation to? Uh, wow, I'm put on the spot, huh? I, I, I'll i use player comparisons. Uh, the four people I used for him were, if you like Tyrell Terry last year, which I know you did, uh, you will love him. Devontae Graham is a similar player. Lou Will is a similar player. And Luke Kennard to a lesser extent. But the shooting off the dribble for Luke Kennard. I was hoping you'd go with like Devin Booker or something. I could clip this out to you about Trey Mann. Uh, oh, I, I know I know what I'm doing now. Uh, trust me, <laughs> I will not fall into any more of those traps. The last player on this list as of right now is Brandon Rochelle, another local kid in terms of his college career. Is he a draftable player to you? I don't have him in my top 60 right now, but I've not updated it since the, since the withdrawal window, so a lot of moving pieces need to be made. But, but where do you have him at? He's a defensive mastermind. Yeah, so he's not going to get drafted. Um, he a little backstory. This is his fourth year in college, so he was never going to come back. Uh, that was a, something he made pretty clear uh, without saying it. But he transferred over from LSU after his freshman season in 2017-18. Didn't get any playing time there. Really played 16 minutes per game. Didn't do much. Went to Tulsa last year. Just started dominating defensively, and then he just repeated this year with more scoring on the exact same efficiency. The problem for him, this is why he won't get drafted, is the shooting. While last year he shot 79% from the line and this year 73. Last year he shot 25% from three and on double the attempts this year he shot 31. So the jump shot is a work in progress. But you do get one of the very best wing defenders in the class. He can defend up. Uh, I know you quote tweeted a video of mine um, breaking the news that he worked out with the Thunder. He can play up or down in any lineup. He can pretty much with his long arms cover anybody he wants as a shot blocker. He's not afraid to meet people at the rim. He's a monster on defense and he can pass. So those are, you know, you're looking at a two-way slasher with potential to maybe shoot the ball. Maybe he'd be a nice two-way contract guy. Just this is going to be very on the spot. And so if you don't have an answer for us, we can save it till next week, but of all the possible two-way candidates, I'm thinking Marcus Garrett, I'm thinking you know, Brian Rochelle, I'm thinking all these players, because even second rounders can still be put on two-way contracts. Yep. Who do you have who do you think is has the most chance or the, or the greatest chance of being a Lou Dort success story? And m- maybe it'll be hard to be the level of Lou Dort right now, but just just getting a contract in the NBA, getting getting a guaranteed deal for the future and not just falling by the wayside after this first two-way deal. Does it have to be someone who's like Dort or just will stick? Like Dort, like Dort he's, he's, he's sticking in the NBA. He's, he's, okay. he's made it to the league and he's going to be in the league for a long time, Lou Dort is. Is there anyone in this draft that you think could be on a two-way deal that will eventually prove to be in this league for a long time? Man, I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit. I'm going to go with Pepperdine's Kessler Edwards. Um, monster on defense. Can kind of shoot the ball. That's his swing skill, but versatile and outstanding on defense. You know the Thunder love two-way players. They've converted a ton of them, including Moses Brown, including Lou Dort, including Deontay Burton. They have a, a running track record of converting two-way contracts. So always 
entertaining to think about that as weird as that sounds for most fan bases for the thunder fan base we love ourselves some two-way players so that's a great uh, analysis we'll talk to you every single week leading up to the draft and after the draft as we kind of wrap up what happened in the draft and it's so close it's so exciting make sure you go check out mavsdraft.com for his written scouting reports locked on nba draft on tuesdays for his audio scouting reports uh, and everything else in between on twitter at mavsdraft on twitter richard any final draft thoughts any other clickbaity titles you can give me anything else you want to provide for the podcast uh yeah kevin duran is evan mo but no i'm just kidding no i no i do locked on every tuesday i put all the scouting reports there you'll you'll hear any hot takes i have i don't think i'd have terribly hot takes i just think i have some unpopular opinions is how i'd word them but this draft season is going to be fun it's ridiculously deep especially from like i said 15 to like 45 is loaded so just because someone's ranked in, or mocked in that range is not an insult cannot wait to see how this all shakes out next week we're going to do our unpopular opinions for this year's nba draft me and you are polar opposites on guys like Jalen green uh, you're very high on a guy like James Booth Knight, who I'm high on as well, and everything in between there uh, with, again, Keon Johnson, who we talked about briefly today. We're going to do our unpopular opinions for the draft on the next week's chat uh, next week. So make sure you tune into that right here on Locked on Thunder. Make sure you tune into Locked on Mock Draft or Locked on NBA Draft, I should say, wherever else you get your podcast from. And follow both of us on Twitter. Richard's at Mass Draft. I'm at Ryland underscore Styles. Richard, thank you so much for joining us and not wait to do it again next week. Appreciate you having me. Until next week, be good and be good to one another.